0: All right, welcome back, Cracks in the Cloister. This is episode seven, which is the hump episode apparently.
1: Is that what is that what it's referred to in podcasting the business?
0: Basically, I guess. I was reading some stuff. Apparently, most podcasts never make it past seven episodes. So wow. if you make it through this one, you can get through this one and you don't give up. You're good.
1: Seven's a very biblical number.
0: Right? For sure. But the algorithm has to help us out a little bit. We got to get some more
1: views.
0: (laughs) Oh. But that's actually what I kind of wanted to talk about tonight. At least partly. The algorithms. Oh, boy. I realized something the other day. I was watching Jeremy from the channel The Quartering. This is a YouTube channel? YouTube channel. He's like a podcaster type guy. Political commentator. But like... Think like trolley kind. Like, if you think Matt Walsh or Ben Shapiro's cleaned up, he's the slob version. Not a bad thinker, but like not not your highbrow intellectual either. Oh, you know okay, what I, mean? I
1: see. I see what you're saying. I'm not saying he's dumb. He's a blue collar Ben Shapiro.
0: Exactly, <laughs> exactly, from the Midwest. But I I remember. So I was watching one of his videos, and I remember thinking to myself. After a while, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that dawned on me. As I went to subscribe to the channel, I unsubscribed from him like three years ago because I thought he was just too crazy. Huh. And then it hit me. The machines are messing with us. (laughs) They're pushing us. Because if you think about how the algorithms work, because they're supposed to, because any publicly traded company the guys have an obligation to their stockholders to make it as profitable as possible, right? To get you to watch as much stuff, as many ads as, you know, etc. And it dawned on me. It's slowly been pushing me more and more into an echo chamber.
1: Ah, like it's you okay, so you watch things and then it just supplies things related that you would want to watch. Right, you watch
0: this for the entire video or 90% of the video. Okay, so we like this. Even if you didn't hit the thumbs up or thumbs down, you like this content. Okay, so I'm going to give you three things pushing it a little more to the right, one or two things pushing a little more to the left, three or four things we rate basically the exact same. Ah. And year after year after year, slowly pushing
1: more and more. So it's not like you're gonna watch this, and then the next video is gonna be like AOC talks about the economy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Okay, I might watch that one just 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 for giggles.
1: <laughs>
0: That's one thing. Like, why do politicians without any economics degree think that they can lecture on the economy?
1: Yeah, she was recently on uh, on uh, Chris Hayes, MSNBC, hmm. and she said that Wall Street is to blame for inflation. Haven't heard that one yet.
0: Yeah, me me, neither. Um, and again, I think politicians on many sides do a lot of... Like, I don't want to be accused of being one side or the other. As, as even the boys know, like, God love... God love, he's not one of our sophomores, but last year John Saxon looks me square in the eye and he goes, other than the whole abortion thing, you're just a straight-up libertarian, aren't you? Yes. I was like,
1: yeah. That's, that's kind of like a... I think people... Like, I was, I, I was aware of a libertarian, small L libertarian as a word, right. before I was aware of it as an actual party. Right. But big L libertarians are, are pro-choice. Yeah. So that's something we, we wouldn't ascribe to, obviously. Exactly. And actually, it makes sense in terms of, like, it aligning with the libertarian ethos of Correct. the individual does whatever he or she wants, and if you don't think the developing human life of the womb is an actual human being, then...
0: Then it doesn't have the same rights you do. Right. Exactly.
1: Right. And that's right
0: where I got, but but it dawned on me, like, look. Now, another thing that sort of, I think, pushed me in it, um, and don't make fun of me for this, but I've been playing Minecraft again. In fact, uh-huh. when you came, knocked on my door for this podcast. I, I was actually playing some Minecraft. Nice. Now, not vanilla Minecraft. I play on a hacked client. I paid for it, but like, I can break bo- blocks by just touching them. I don't have to do it. You know what I mean? I can x-ray and see where stuff is.
1: I've known you now for 6 years. Do you think I thought that you would play the normal version of Minecraft? <laughs> it has to be some kind of, you know, obscure version or what, you know, hacked blah blah blah.
0: It's not obscure, but yeah. so what got me back into it is I've been looking at some uh, stuff on 2b2t, which is a uh, very famous what's called anarchy server, meaning there are some rules in play, like you can't purposely try to crash the system, etc. But nothing is safe. Say whatever you want, build whatever you want, destroy other people's
1: stuff. It's like the new Twitter. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, (laughs) kind of. But anyway, but so anyway, they do a timeline of like the periods and ages of this server, like how it's going through. And the newest like period it's in, it's a period, then a longer age, and usually a period. It's called the age of automation. And it's because of all the influencers and all the people coming in. From YouTube and people learning about 2B2T and like Anarchy Minecraft and all this stuff because of YouTube and Google algorithms and all this. And that got me thinking about this. And then again, when I was going to subscribe to the quarter, and I was like, oh, whoa. And I think that's an interesting thing, not just in this realm, but in everything. If you think about it, we're becoming more and more echo chambery uh. as a society and even as a church. You know, I, I've, I've, I've heard it many times, even in recent months where, you know, some people will be described as, <laughs> a good one was golden calf, Vatican tour. <laughs> and another one on the opposite end, somebody was called, you know, a Taliban Catholic.
1: Ah, uh, yes. That's why I love language. You can do wordplay like this.
0: Right. And to describe a conservative, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. But I'm thinking to myself,
1: like the political
0: world, like a lot of the world, we are getting pushed, even in the church, into more and more camps. Like we're, Mm. we're seeing less of a wide swatch, that's not how I would do it, but you go for it. And more of a, well, no, this is what everybody should do.
1: More like a tribalism. Yes. Yeah.
0: Which is, I
1: think, destructive.
0: Not just on YouTube, not just in the political world, not just in society, not just in the church, but in
1: all those realms. Right. Once once you, uh, you know, there's, you know, it's good to disagree and it's okay to disagree, but once you start saying the other side is evil or bad or has nothing to offer. Right. You know, and Jordan Peterson puts points this out well, I think. He said, you know, For as much as conservatives and liberals uh, argue, they need each other. Yeah. Because there needs to be a balance. Yeah. The liberals keep the conservatives from going too far right. You know, the conservatives keeps the liberals from going too far left. So they they need each other. It's like the Batman and the Joker. Yeah. Batman, Joker, or like, (laughs) I
0: think we talked about that. Do you remember the um, Batman, the animated series? Yeah. Do you remember the episode where Harley Quinn teamed up with Poison Ivy? And they successfully captured the Batman. Oh no! Uh-huh. So they successfully captured the Batman, and they had him rigged up to be ended, like it was it was gonna go down. And Harley called up Mister J to let him know, like, "Hey, we beat your guy. Da 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 da. You know, go do whatever you want." And he shows up with this dead fish, like with giant, like 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 not salmon, but like tuna type thing, and just starts. Welling on poison ivy and stuff. And then he lets Batman, who's just there like dazed, out of this like like dunk tank thing. And he's just like, I am so
1: sorry. She doesn't get it. I'm so sorry. Like, we need each other. This has to keep going. Exactly. Yeah.
0: They need, you know, Joker needs his
1: Batman, and Batman needs. The Joker. It's like in uh Dark Knight. I think at one point Heath Ledger Joker says, "You complete me." Yes,
0: yeah. yes. <laughs> because Batman's all order, you know, regardless of the rules, and the Joker, especially Heath Ledger's character, is just let the chaos. world burn. Yep.
1: Yeah, chaos is fair. Yeah, yeah.
0: But I, but I do think that because I think if we get to echo chamber, if we're not, if we become too afraid to have our views challenged and pushed. to have our comfort level pushed then you never grow true
1: true yeah it's sort of like uh i mean it's like anything it's like martial arts Mm -hmm. you know rolling with a guy that doesn't have a style that you're used to throws Mm -hmm. stuff at you that you're not used to on the one hand is it frustrating yes do you lose sometimes yes but it also doesn't make you grow. i mean it's like any any sport really you know Baseball facing a pitcher that you never faced before. Or, oh, yeah. You know, whatever. Well, because nobody came Saturday. Speaking of like
0: out of your comfort level, you know, it was just me and Bo. Bo's our black belt jiu-jitsu coach. And I was like, ah, what are we doing? He's like, Eddie, Eddie's there sitting down on the mat and he's just looking at me he goes, we're going to roll. I was like, I don't right, set the timer. He goes, no. I'm like, like slow roll. He goes, no. <laughs> Blood sport. I'm like, Okay, so we, he's like, we're going to roll, and then we'll talk about it. Oh. So we rolled to sub.
1: No, sub I just, is short for submission for our viewers out there.
0: Yeah, so it's when you get caught in a joint lock or choke or something where if you didn't quit or tap out, as we say, you would suffer some type of catastrophic injury and or death. Yeah. And I ain't going to lie, at first, I, I was going like six seven minutes defending myself getting some sweeps getting some movements now both coming back from knee injury and a surgery so like he's not probably top of his game but he hasn't lost that many steps either and I don't think he was going hard on me anyway but then I slowly started getting worse and worse as I got tired and gassed because you know 40 minute round basically is not something I'm prepped for
1: and that, you know, that's the interesting thing about jujitsu, and I think I said this before, not on the podcast, but to you, that there's no analog for the workout that jujitsu gives you. No. Because it's full body, mm-hmm. it's it's strength, it's cardio, it's flexibility, mm-hmm. it's working small muscles that you don't normally work. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing like it in terms of the workout. Oh, I drilled left side armbar like two weeks ago with Pete,
0: and I never go left side with armbar. Well, correction. My left side, your right side. If you're in my guard, my leg killed me for two days because I'm not used to using those muscles. Right, but it's like that scene from um, Robert California on The Office. <laughs> I can go to the gym for four hours a week, or I can do thirty minutes with Schwinn, <laughs> or Sven. What Sven? I think it was Sven.
1: That was a very divisive character. You know, a lot of people didn't like him. I mean, it's I mean, filling trying to fill in Michael Scott's shoes is mm-hmm. tough enough, but I think he's a great actor, though, James Pater. I mean, like, The Blacklist. Oh, yeah. The blacklist is Oh, really dude, good I there. loved
0: him in that. That was a sick show. Yeah. Sad I never finished it, actually.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of seasons, I think, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I watched up till... You're watching it, I, at this point, I don't even think you need to say spoiler alert, but spoiler alert. I watched up till you saw the main female character had actually kidnapped and had her ex-husband, who was a plant spy imprisoned on a ship I was like, okay this is getting weird <laughs> um and complicated but no but but it's but it's i mean it is it's a major workout yeah and you also need like like i always told you you got to learn when to rest right like when sick, am pacing. i safe and i can breathe for a minute even if it's not ideal it's better than
1: i can get a couple gulp of gulps of air mm-hmm But I'm interested interested in in your Minecraft experience. First of all, Minecraft, I know it's a game. Uh Uh-huh. And you build stuff. Uh Uh-huh. Is there fighting? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: And that's the problem right now because I started on a new server and I got, like, no main gear. Even though I'm playing with my cheat client, I'm out of practice. I don't have my gear. So, like, I'm just getting destroyed by people. I'm going up against these people with have, like, these very high-level, high-enchanted, probably-cheated... Um, diamond armor and weapons, which is the best stuff you can get, especially if you get enchantments on it. And they're just slaughtering me in PvP. And they're doing crystal fights. And uh, and I'm trying to run what's called a worst client. It's one of the, like, hacks to get around some of the safety. Not safety, but some of the, uh, uh, like, standard ways of play. It speeds some stuff up. And I might have to switch to, like, a, a more fight-based one just to get... Deeper into the server before I just keep getting destroyed at spawn, but yeah, it's it's brutal, it's uh. brutal. Also, you know, again, I haven't played in so long, so my character—I had to do a new character, and he's just—he's weak.
1: Like there a were, white belt. When that came, yeah, when that came out, that blew up. I mean, that was an insanely oh, yeah. popular game. I mean, I mean, it was sort of—I don't know—it sort of felt like another like Sims, maybe. Yeah, you know, yeah. In terms of popularity.
0: Well, and it's very similar in that way. Like you. You break stuff, you build stuff, you fight each other, you
1: take stuff. I mean, and it's basically the model for Fortnite, right? Yeah, it's the same model. Yeah, yeah. just lockier with less sophisticated coding, right? I mm-hmm. think you know. I think that speaks to something about like human nature and like what people enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something about building your own thing, yeah, and defending it, or you know, whatever, yeah, something about that. Yeah, and I think that's a, you know, a factor with just all of reality, to be honest, is
0: that element of, this is mine, you know, like, think about, like, now I'm not saying everybody likes that, I mean, there are some people that are always just gonna, you know, buy this or buy that, but, like, I think there's something, like, like one of the first cars that was really sort of mine, it was my buddy's car, it's my buddy Corey's car in high school, transmission went, and, uh, his dad was giving me a ride back to school one day. Uh, I used to come home for karate. I was doing Water Monday nights. So i'd my dad would drive me to IUP Sunday. I'd go to class. He'd come pick me up Monday afternoon. I'd go to karate. And then my buddy's dad, uh, Ken, would give me a ride back Tuesday morning because he worked um, in, in Indiana where I was going to college. And I remember we are going back one day and he looking and goes, Joe your old man stood on a drop a transmission in a car? I remember thinking to myself, oh, he's going to ask my dad to fix that car. for me." Uh. Like, Thank you. Oh. Yes. Well, I've been telling a boy of mine to get that car out of my yard for two years now. It needs a transmission. If your old man's willing to put a transmission in it, you can have it. Eh. Uh. Like, say again? Wow. So I got like a 90, i to say it was like a 96 Grand Am. Free. Here's where it comes into that. Took me a week to convince my dad to go look at it. He looks at it, sees it's in great shape. Looks at Kenny and goes, all right, what are you doing Wednesday? I'll come get it. Come get it. And then that summer, we dropped the transmission. We put the transmission in ourselves. New fuel tank, fuel lines, uh, fuel filters, all that stuff, brake lines. And the only thing we paid to have done to it was a windshield. We weren't even going to put a new windshield in. It had a little little nick crack. And it was out sitting in the sun after we got all the work done. And my brother was went to do me a favor. I put that in air quotes. And uh he wasn't thinking, and he sprayed the hot windshield that had this nick crack in it with cold garden hose. Uh and it just spider webbed everywhere. Um what we pay to get that fixed just the windshield because you get one shot with that once you put that down like the glue like it's it's a nightmare to try and bring it back up yeah but the sheer fact of taking the time to not build your own car but to rebuild your own car to make it your own customizing it right yeah People even like- if it looks stock the fact that your sweat your blood your cursing with your dad went into it
1: yeah, it's your own. Mm-hmm. It's it's no one else has the same exact thing you have exactly in the same exact way you have. it. So I, you know, I hear the similar thing about like hunting. Yeah. Like, okay, a steak is good, but there's something about you know, oh, killing man. the animal. There's nothing, nothing like it.
0: Like, and same thing like with cooking it. Like, like the joy I got when you guys were up and I got to cook venison for you guys. Just to your fact to know that like we put the food on the table. Right. We didn't buy it. And I'm not saying there's something wrong with buying food. Like most people do that. But just something about taking it from walking it, having it been walking around doing its own little deer thing, to food in my belly.
1: Yeah. And you appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like the classic thing of, uh, you know, growing up. Obviously, you know, your parents are paying for most of your things. And maybe you don't take as good a care of them as you could. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, get a part time job or whatever. And uh, you know, you buy some clothes or something like that and you start taking better care of it because you spent the money. Mm -hmm. You know? Absolutely.
0: Again, that's one thing, like, look at how many times the boys lose AirPods and stuff like that at the school. It's just sitting there. You know? Brand new like AirPods Pros, just sitting in the lost and found. It's like, how did you not notice you lost a two hundred dollar pair of headphones?
1: Yeah. well speaking of minecraft i mean that, that that makes you just think of video games in general mm-hmm. and uh i grew up as a big gamer yeah you know uh i remember i had a nintendo yeah a classic nintendo oh yeah blow into the uh <laughs> into the games
0: do you, and what's funny is the black of the cartridge says specifically do that do not blow into this <laughs> yeah. it is it is probably the most disregarded safety warning ever put on a video game
1: yeah and there was something about that i mean that I follow a few pages now where, like retro gaming pages, where the guy, all the videos are is the guy opening the box of the game, taking the game out, putting it in the system, clicking it in, turning it on. But all these sounds that were kind of, you know, are are nostalgic for people that grew up in that era. Oh, yeah. The the old 8-bit sounds are just awesome. Yeah. And you think about, I mean, how far games have come. Because when did Nintendo Classic come out? Like late 80s? I say like 86, 89, somewhere in there. Okay, 86, so like, you know, and now we're what? I'm 34, so you know, 30 years later. Mm-hmm. How far games have come? I mean, just insane. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I remember speaking of making it your own, and I think this is something that's lost now with gaming. You know, doing a couple chores around the house, mm-hmm. getting five bucks together, mm-hmm. walk into the video store spending some time looking at the games, picking one out, purchasing it, riding your bike back home, putting it in, you lose that now. Yep. Because now everything is so instant. Yeah. You know? Or even like the homebrew. Like
0: the old Ness. There actually was, now I was too young to take Appreciate It, but I remember playing a couple of what were called homebrew games back in the day, which were that. It was guys that programmed their own game And dumped it on one of the ROM cartridges. And it just played. Now they patched eventually. And like SNES. No you will play what we tell you to play. But like. The sheer insanity of some of that stuff. And the, the, the blood, sweat and tears that went into it. From some programmer. Right. I mean. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, and, and just even like with that stuff that people nowadays just take for absolute granted. Like, I remember one time I was teaching out, and I wasn't teaching, I was working at a non profit in Pittsburgh. One of the kids goes, Yeah, why is it that all the all people in your generation love Zelda? Like, because you could save <laughs> what do you mean? You could save our game,
1: you don't have to start at the beginning,
0: yeah, like of course you could save. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Until Zelda came out, you played it and beat it, or you left it running and hope nobody kicked it.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Well, it was on pause. I was like, I have lost many World 8 Mario games because I had to go do something, and by the time I got back, someone had turned my game
1: on. Uh. Yeah, I remember a few years ago, my mom got me, uh, for Christmas, the you know, the Nintendo Classic with oh, the yeah. preloaded games. Oh, yeah. And Zelda was one of them. And I, I had never played Zelda growing up. I mean, I obviously heard uh, what a big game it was. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, that game, the first game in particular, was funny because you almost can't get through it without, like, a walkthrough. Yeah. You know, like... yeah. They'll be like, oh, go to screen C4 and then burn down this tree and then the new cave will appear. It's like, how would anyone know that without, you know?
0: Well, and that's the thing too, like not to be mean to the kids, but in pre-internet days where like you had a hope there'd be a guide somewhere that you could buy that was a physical book. Like if you were an early adopter, you got, you got hundreds of hours out of some of these 8-bit ROM games. Right. Just because of the obscurity of it, and the fact that you couldn't fact check, you couldn't figure out like, how do I beat this wizard that keeps stabbing me? Right, right, right. So, we mean I gotta go get a bucket, and I trade the bucket for this, and then I trade that for this, and now I have a sword and a piece of armor, and I can. You gotta be kidding me!
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it makes me think of uh, my dad talked about uh, when he was in his twenties, uh, playing this game called Bard's Tale.
0: Oh yeah, same. Yeah. that's the one we need the bucket.
1: Yeah, because he had a yeah, he had one of the Apple II green screen, mm-hmm. ones. and so he would have uh, uh my uncle John and uh, Aunt Mary over, and with Uncle John they would play this Bardstale game, and it was like a, a text based game. Yeah. there were some images. Yeah, but it was like you know the skeleton you know hits you with his sword, you lose five points that mm-hmm. sort of thing, mm-hmm. and you had to get graphing paper. Yeah, when you entered like a dungeon. Yep. Because if you if you lost, you know, halfway through the dungeon, there was no like map for you to do it. Yeah, there was right? no so save you, point. You had to come back the whole way through. So they would get graphic paper and like graph it out, pencil and all. That. Like mm-hmm. to, to say someone to someone now that you would have to do that, they'd be like, no, yeah, you know, that sounds like homework.
0: I used to have for the PS One. It's actually very popular in speedrunning world now on YouTube, but um, Yu Gi Oh Forgotten Memories and there's a maze in it that you have to beat through but it's it, it's like left left right right left right left left or something but there was no guide when that came out when i first got this cd of the game you just had to keep basically like randomly hoping you'd figure out the, the combo and it was it was like that yeah. and then once you yeah. figure it out you better you better have written it down cuz you have to play it back through that game You don't want to be sitting there for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, just trying to figure out what is this combo to get out of this maze.
1: Right. And when you were talking before about some of the hacks with Minecraft, it made me think of, remember Game Genie?
0: Oh, yeah. Game Genie and Game Shark.
1: Game Genie was like the cheating mechanism, but it was like sold by Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you would put the game in the Game Genie, and it would unlock certain things.
0: It gave you basically dev powers. Right. And uh, uh like infinite
1: lies, super speed, ultimate hell yeah. and, and of course that was fun, but maybe maybe we can get a little theological here. It was fun, but if you were to beat the game with the game genie, it does not give you the same satisfaction as and, if you were to beat the game not cheating. and in some cases it wouldn't even let you consider it a beat
0: uh, you know eventually I, I remember after those came out and they were out for a while i finally got one I, I can't remember what game it was i beat with it. it would have been gi joe or something but like it it wouldn't give me the proper end screen it gave me like a you know i beat it but it didn't record my high score oh
1: i see like oh right you beat it but no one's ever gonna know mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah i think there's something to that that you know maybe we can relate that a little bit to something spiritual or theological of, Oh yeah, Look if you take shortcuts,
0: the e- yeah, if you take the shortcut and try to get the easy way out, ultimately you don't get the same reward in the end, right? Like both in video games, but also in life and in the spiritual realm. Yeah, you know, there is some elements of it that just take work. Even like jujitsu, like could you buy a black belt off somebody? Probably, right? When you get checked on it though, and you got a blue belt or a purple belt subbing you, like like it's their job. You know, that's not to say that there aren't like purple belts or blue belts that are just dangerous. Like Tiago T, one of our buddies from the gym, he moved to Florida and he went from being a a no stripe or one stripe blue belt to getting his purple belt in a year just because he was subbing everybody. And T's dangerous. T's, you know, he's awesome. I love that man. But, but it's, but yeah, like, so you can try and shortcut. Doesn't mean you're going to. Be good. It's like it's, it's like, almost
1: like eventually you'll get found out too. Exactly. Like if you're always taking the easy way out or you know doing something halfway, or mm-hmm. maybe you'll have some short term success, but in the end, I think you'll you'll get found out.
0: Oh yeah. And it's like it's like anything. It's like school. It's like teaching. It's like any job you have. Yeah, you can usually skate for a time of being. But eventually you're going to get hit with a performance review where you're just going to be like, oh, or in school, you know, you can cheat, 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 cheat. But eventually that test comes up and you got to write an essay from scratch. Right. And good luck. You're
1: going to get found out. Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and that's where I do think putting in the work is important, but also put in in work for stuff that matters, you know. And cause like there are awards out there and stuff where, like, to me it doesn't make sense. Is like
1: just some what out there?
0: Awards and stuff like that. Uh, now and and don't get me wrong. Like if you get satisfaction, if you like it, you enjoy it, like awesome, more power to you. You do you. But some stuff where I'm just like, okay, what is the value of that? Actually, uh, me and Dane. Dane is a, a judo uh, judo instructor. We both know. Um, we were talking about that about like kid black belts and stuff like that, and taekwondo, and different martial arts. Because judo, much like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you're not getting a don grade as a juvenile. It's not until you're like 16. Because the idea being like, okay, yeah, no. you It doesn't matter how acrobatic you are with a kick, there's no way a a 12-year-old is dangerous right so to speak
1: like the baby genius equivalent in judo
0: exactly (laughs) um but i I do think that that's a thing too because like you can put in hours of work but that doesn't mean you're going to get the same reward as others right nor should you you know like you know there are some people that can like like my buddy jp you know jp that man can read a book and memorize it without even trying no, not happening. Like I, I, you know, we gotta have four chapters for a book read for a monastic meeting. I'm recording this tomorrow. I've had to read those chapters like three, four times to keep them in my head, uh-huh. um, highlight, and take some notes. So, like, there are some people that stuff is just gonna come naturally too. But I do think too that everybody needs to find something to grind at. Yeah. Everybody needs something. We are not good. To make yourself a better person. Yeah. More humble person, more legit person.
1: All this uh, stuff about makes you think uh, of that movie Click with Adam Sandler. Remember oh, yeah. Movie? Yeah. Yeah, I like yeah, that, that was movie. was a great movie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the crux of that movie is that he uses this sort of magical clicker mm-hmm. to Remote. Fast, fast forward through something boring or mm-hmm. whatever. And then he gets to the end and he realizes that a lot of the stuff that he thought wasn't Worth it was, mm-hmm. and he lost some things because of that. Yeah.
0: Well, and I love that too. How he also just misjudges how long certain things are going to take. Like I remember that one massive jumper is like, you know, oh, I'm going to fast because you could program what he would fast forward to. was like, I'm going to fast forward. I think it was to like make partner or something like that. And it soon would be like six months, and it was like ten years
1: or something. Right. 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 And he's like, Ugh. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely. That was a good movie. That was one of his good ones. I mean, he's he's had so many, and so many. I think uh, you know they're not they're not Christopher Nolan epics. No, you know they're they they're for a certain purpose. You know, one well, and I think we've had this discussion:
0: are movies that make you think and dig and where you're like whoa, like some cinematic masterpiece, like Moses and the Ten Commandments or Ben Hur, are those important? Yes. Are they worth watching? Yes. But every once in a while, you also need a movie where you can just shut your brain off and laugh
1: and enjoy yourself. Right. You need like talking, whatever, hot dogs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, not every movie has to be a cinematic masterpiece. Right. Yeah, and sometimes it is important to.
0: You know, sometimes you just want to watch, you know, Tom Green in Road Trip.
1: <laughs> that's right. Something that's kind of dumb. And it just. Yeah. And everything has to be serious.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's... And I
0: think that's one of the other things. I consider, like think about like being serious. Like, did you see, uh, um, again, this coming sort of the tail end of Halloween, did you see Bill Mars' monologue on Halloween costumes this week?
1: I heard a tidbit about that. Like, was it basically him saying, like, get over it, stop being so sensitive about them?
0: He's like, the whole point of Halloween is to dress up like fools and act crazy. Right. I was like, no. So like, let's let's quit trying to be overly sensitive to some of this stuff.
1: Yeah. Like, look,
0: if somebody's willing to wear it, let them wear it. No, and I, within reason, obviously. But his point was like, so we're not allowed to do, you know, unhoused people. And he's like, come on, that's like, the the homeless guy is like the go-to for any parent who forgot that trick or (laughs) treating was
1: today. Yep. Yeah. Or like throw a flannel shirt on, cargo pants. Yep. Yeah.
0: Little like eyeliner pencil on the face.
1: You ever wonder where that comes from? Like, I would want to add, like, a person who says you cannot wear that because it is offensive. Mm -hmm. Like, I would want to ask that person where they got that from. Right. Or like why they think it. Why they think like that. I think that would be interesting.
0: And,. I mean that's one thing. Like don't you know, like some costumes? Yeah, like make no sense. Like I'm sorry. Wait. Like even I'm like okay. Mm, would not do that one. You know we had a major issue here in Jersey a couple years back, um, involving blackface and some. I was just like, and God love my head. I was teaching a class called Contemporary Issues, and I had covered with the boys. Uh, Earlier in the week, I was like, look, do whatever costume you want, but keep in mind everybody has a camera in their pocket right now and this is the nature of the world right now so choose wisely i'm and i said i was like i'm not telling you what to do you do you if you're willing to have that out there and you're not afraid of what's going to be like in 10 years you do you oh yeah and um uh, you know after that whole thing happened with uh with the costumes at Watchung hills uh a couple of the boys came to me like did you plan that lesson? And I was like, yes, I'm an actually decent teacher. I did plan this out and I did try to make sure you don't get yourselves in trouble and don't end up in the papers.
1: Yeah. But the sensitivity stuff around all that, like I think sometimes, you know, that's what's so interesting to me about the idea of sensitivity now, because is it good to be sensitive to others? Yes, absolutely. Right. Um, somebody struggling with something you're going to talk to them in a different way mm-hmm. right someone's having a bad day right you want to be sensitive to how they feel fine but i think sensitivity especially politically has gotten to a point where sensitivity is used as a cudgel yeah or it's you it's used as a weapon yeah against other people to say just when people say that offends me or or that's offensive in some way, therefore you can't say it. Right. Or you shouldn't say it.
0: Or they're afraid of what will be thought of or said about what they said, not now, but ten years from now, five years from now. Like I remember probably about a year ago now, but uh, one of the great alums of our school, the great actor Peter Dinklage, you know, Tyrion on um, Game of Thrones, and I mean just a lot of awesome stuff. Yeah. Um,
1: Excellent great actor.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing actor, you know he he had a whole thing where he was not happy with the way um, the new remake, the Disney remake for Snow White was coming out, and uh, and I get it, like I get his point, like you know, like little people are not magical little like hobgoblins hiding hiding in a mine, and the reason I say this is because the whole fear thing, the cancel culture thing, the whole. Like, you can't, you barely can have a conversation now at times on certain issues. And I agree that I think that's, again... It's it's, like a minefield. Right. (laughs) But the young Turks, people known for canceling people for stuff they said 10, 15, 20 years ago, were talking about it. And it was funny to watch them try and talk about it because they were all (laughs) caveating themselves like... Look, I, I, I'm i going to use the words being used in all the articles, but I don't I don't want clips cut out 10 years from now and everybody coming at me because I said the word. Dun, 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 dun. And I'm just like, I'm watching. I'm just like, uh-huh. You don't want people doing what you've been doing?
1: That's <laughs> right. Rules for thee, not for me. Right. And I'm
0: not saying, again, I think both sides do this. I think even the conservative side will do that. They'll cancel people for being you know, even daring to talk to the other side or what have you. Like I remember, I think it was a senator from Ohio a couple months back. He did a whole sort of monologue in the Senate. I think it was Ohio. Um, Senior senator. It was one of the senior senators. But he he called out the entire Congress on the fact that they're breaking the unwritten rule. Because like when I first got here, I was informed the unwritten rule is unless somebody is challenging for our seat, We never campaign or fundraise directly against another member of this body because we have to work together.
1: That makes sense.
0: We might disagree. We might have views on what will make the country good, but we don't openly attack each other ever because when all is said and done, whoever's sitting in these seats in this room has to work together. And he was calling out the Senate for... And the political parties in the senate for basically breaking that rule where now you're expected to help the challenger overthrow the guy you're serving on the committee with and i was like right. how are we supposed to function if this is happening right that's a good point point. and i think we see that everywhere again not just in society but even in the church think about how many people were upset about the restrictions placed on you know the extraordinary form of the mass or how many people get upset when You know, you have a guitar at Mass, or this or that. And don't get me wrong, I I think having your preference is good. I personally have my preference, what I prefer at liturgy. But I also know, especially in my role as priest, it's not my job to do always what I prefer. Yes, I have to follow the rubrics, I have to do what is appropriate. I can't just willy-nilly stuff, you know, do the red, say the black. But... I also know that within those norms, within those general instructions, the germ as we call it, there is variety and I got to be okay with that because it's not necessarily about what feeds me, it's what feeds the people that are coming. Uh Now I got to find a place and a way to feed me in the liturgy, but I think we're losing that not just in the church, not just in society, but all over the spectrum there in that we are becoming very echo chambery. Yeah. Even even on even in Minecraft, you know, 2b2t has an incursion going on. An incursion is when the players on the server purposely set up when you try to join to just murder you. Like they take turns with all their super gear, knowing that when you spawn in for the first time as a new player to it, you don't have your gear. And they just destroy you so you, you get no kicked shot. out of the server. Right. Because they're tired of the outsiders coming in. Huh. And I fear that too much of society is becoming like that. They're afraid of the outsider. They're shunning the outsider. They're, well, you don't think exactly like us, so go. Yeah. And I think that's dangerous. You know, the the great, he was from New Jersey, the great um, Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes actually wrote uh, an article called The Great Dissent. We actually sort of went against one of his own court rulings. He wrote a decision in a case which upheld the U.S. government's right to limit freedom of speech during World War I, because a guy was trying to unionize a couple war factories and cause a strike. And so the government argued, like, look, this is against the war effort, this is against national interest, da-da-da-da-da-da. And he initially wrote in favor, as a Supreme Court justice, he wrote the case law in favor of the government, saying, yes, you should be able to limit for the good of society speech. And then like six, eight months later, I, and there's a great book I have on my bookshelf called The Great Descent." In fact, the, the library, the Barton Library has it. John Kelly saw me reading it before he left a couple of years back. And uh, he saw it and like, ooh, and that was like when he was doing those book recommendations, that was in the first wave of them. Like, this is good. Yeah. Um, because Holmes realized, and I love the one line, it goes, the free market exchange of ideas is the best judge of truth.
1: It's like steel sharpens steel. Exactly. Yeah. The, best, know, the best idea will emerge.
0: With time and a free, he, and he says, with time and the free market exchange of ideas. History will judge what is appropriate. Yeah, And I think he's spot on. You know, if you get too much in your echo chamber, you get too much, you know, anti-whatever the other view is, you get into that issue, both in the church, in the monastery, in life, in the jujitsu world. I mean, think about it. It wasn't until, you know, now it's like 30 years ago, but it wasn't up until a couple wrestlers came to, you know, what's called the uh, the blue room. Which is the, um, or the blue basement, which is Henzo Gracie's in the city where Danner was teaching. That leg attack started coming into Jiu-Jitsu. You know, it wasn't until a wrestler, you know, started trying to go for him on Donner and his guys were. And Donner looked at him. Was a Lister, Lister, Lister? I don't know. I forget the guy who was Dean it. Lister. Dean Lister. I think it was Dean Lister. And Danner looked at him. And goes, what are you doing? And he was like, Why would I ignore half the body? Yeah. And it just. And now if you watch major, you know, grappling or even MMA, leg attacks are everywhere. Right. I mean, just a week and a half ago at the Eddie Bravo Invitational, a guy just had his leg destroyed by a heel hook, uh, which actually has now started a conversation as to whether or not those should actually be legal in even professional jiu-jitsu. Right. Because of the... Risk of injury. High yeah, risk. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's catastrophic. And it's, it's a split can. Half were like, "Well, he should have had his tap hand ready. Defend yourself at all times. Protect yourself at all times. That's the that's the rule." And the other people are like, "Yeah, but this isn't like a broken arm from an armbar. This is you know, like Career-y. the announcer said. Yeah, you know, he went from nothing to post op immediately, eh. and he did. But but I do think it's in that exchange of ideas." that you can have those massive, world-changing ideas come up.
1: Yeah, that, that makes me think of the new, uh, you know, the recent news with Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, you know, Elon Musk is very intent on uh making it uh sort of less, I guess, less regulated. Yeah, in terms more... Of what, in terms of what kind of speech can be on there.
0: More public forum, free speech. And, and it'll be interesting to see how that pay, plays out. Now, it's going to create problems. Like I remember maybe three years ago now, four, the CEO of Gab. Gab was like Twitter, I think it still exists, but no community guidelines. Say whatever you want. And they got called out. They got called in front of the Congress and Congress was asking, you know, how do you feel about that? And he goes, look, our policy is clear. We follow the law. We treat it as a public forum, so yes, if somebody makes a direct actionable threat, we report it to law enforcement if that's brought to our attention, as is required by the law. But anything shy of that, somebody calls somebody name, we let it go. Right, that's not illegal. And I think it was actually AOC. It might have been Nancy Pelosi. It was somebody. I remember it was a Democrat called him out on. It and goes, "Well, don't you find it disturbing how many you know neo Nazis, etc." And white supremacists are on your platform? And he goes, absolutely. Well, don't you plan to do anything about it? I was like, no. It's like, and yes, we have a disproportionate amount because we're the only place that lets them say what they want. Right. I'm not going to ban them.
1: Right, allowing them to speak isn't tacit endorsement of... You see this a lot, actually, in the podcasting world. Mm -hmm. Like Rogan. Rogan has people from all stripes on Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he had the former, and emphasize former, lead counsel for Twitter on there,
1: <laughs> right? But you know, he'll have people like conservative commentators like Ben Shapiro, mm-hmm. uh, Jordan Peterson, yep. And he gets this massive backlash from people from the other side saying that you're giving you giving the guy a platform, you allowing the guy to speak is already a step in the wrong direction, Mm-hmm. right? That's that to me, and I think you would probably agree that that that's when. It's gone too far.
0: Right. And again, I I liked what the CEO of Gab said in challenge to the white supremacist question. was like, if they don't have a place to speak, where do the people have a place to refute them? Directly. Like, yeah, you can have your echo chambers like, oh, da-da-da-da-da-da. And like Ben Shapiro always says, you know, you show me this, I'll help you find it. And that was sort of the Gab CEO's response was like, you can see it now. Fight it, right? If you really feel that strongly, go against it. And I agree with that. I think that's again within within reason. Um,
1: and what do you think? You know, that makes me think of. It seems to me that at least in terms of the truth of, of the truth of church teaching, mm-hmm. but truth in I think truth in general. Mm-hmm. When you say that to some people when you're maybe in a debate or you're having a conversation about something and you say something that's true, mm-hmm. oftentimes it's taken as hateful. Professor we had in seminary, uh, Dr.
0: Uh, Rice. I like his theory on that. Cause he said the issue with that is the growth of what's called subjectivism philosophy. It's like, and without knowing it, it's permeated most of modern thinking. So, Like traditional philosophy, like Thomas Aquinas, is what's called mediated realism. Meaning the stuff you experience, the things you see, witness, whatever. They exist in and of themselves. They exist in their own right. And we experience it mediated through our senses, but we are experiencing an actual thing. Like that has its own existence, its own reality, its own power. It imposes itself on you. Whereas like post hegel and post-Descartes and all this stuff, we have more this subjective reality or the subjective view of philosophy where things exist insofar as my mind has them exist. They don't have an existence of their own. They need an observer, uh, a thinking mind to process them.
1: I have the power in that case. Correct. It goes back to the individual, which is something we've been talking about, this individualistic way of thinking.
0: Exactly. Which I think that is and as he said as Rice said, Dr. Rice and I think he's right there. Once you have that idea, once you have this skepticism which is like Descartes, like skepticism I don't know if I can trust my senses and then it turns into this subjectivism like the world is how I perceive it. Then by attacking your perception of a thing I am attacking you. Right. You know, unless we can agree that something exists independently of both of us, if I challenge your view on that thing, I am challenging you. It's no longer me saying, this is wrong. It can quickly become me saying, you
1: are wrong. Right. And that's where the, uh, you know, the sensitivity and the uh, I'm offended kind of thing kind of comes in. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm speaking, you know, that's a big phrase in some circles, my truth and I hate that phrase. Yeah. I mean, and there is some things that are your truth. So, for example, I really like a pizza with peppers and onions. Right. That is my truth. Yeah. And you might not like that. I love that. Right? Little sausage? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there are there are subjective truths, right? Mm-hmm. I like to play golf. You You like to hunt. Exactly. Two different things. Equally true for both of us. Fine. But there's also, of course, objective truth. Correct. Right. Uh, And
0: and I think that's where the church needs to stand by that absolute fact. That, again, we have what are called the transcendentals. This idea that existence, truth, unity, desirability. There's another one. Oh, I forget the other one. They're going to. Dr. Velarde is going to (laughs) kill me. Anyway, but this idea that all these things are the same thing. To say something is, oh, goodness, that's it. To say something has existence is to say it is good in some way. Now, the statement is the transcendentals are equivocal, but not analogical. I mean, it's the same thing, but in a different light, a different way. And so to say something exists is to say it is true insofar as it exists and in that way i think you know that's absolutely true and the the catholic church stands by that you know god is existence ipsum esse subsistum you know i am who am as he told moses but also that element that then that existence that truth that desirability all that permeates the stuff that is real you know, there is an objectivity to things. You know, we're sitting here with two microphones and arms or like an example I always use is like, you know, like if you want to say that truth is subjective, okay, I'm going to take a pencil. I'm going to sharpen a really tight point. It. You think as hard as you want, absolutely believe that that is soft and put out your hand. I'm going to shove it into your hand. Yeah. For some reason, nobody's ever taken me up on my offer. Right, And because ultimately, I think we in our hearts know there is objectively true things. But I do think that a large number of people, because we've subjectified truth and we've allowed it to be my truth, your truth, that they then feel attacked when you challenge their nuanced view of what is there. Right. Because we can look at the same picture, like that famous picture of either the chalice or the two faces. Oh, yeah. You know? Some people see the chalice. Some people see two faces. Both are correct. But if I say there's a chalice and you say there's two faces and we can't come to an agreement, then there's an issue. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I have with society, too, and I'm definitely afraid of. You know, too much of the well, you're not X, Y, Z, so you can't talk about ABC. Oh,
1: I can't stand that. And it's like, no. You're you're just shutting the other person out of the conversation at that point.
0: Yep. It's like, I'm a rational human being. The whole existence of society is based on the idea that rational human beings should be able to have a rational conversation about things.
1: Right. I can't experience whatever you're talking about in the same way that you experienced it because no two people are exactly the same. But that doesn't mean I can't understand it. Exactly. Same thing with the church. You know, I can't experience
0: your experience in front of the tabernacle because that's intimately you and God. You can't experience the way I feel at mass raising the host after the consecration. Because one, even if you were a priest, it would be different. Right. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a reality behind what we are experiencing. And in that, any rational person, anyone with a standard acceptable level of intellectual discussion and even i'd say those who
1: don't have that can come to have that discussion yeah yeah you know, it's like you know but yeah and when you start having all these different subjective truths even agreeing on on what certain words mean mm-hmm. you know i know they talk you know uh, certain schools talk about this a lot where you have to uh what the exact phrase is like agree on the terms what's that term you know What i'm thinking of but you got to agree on the terms then definitions for you to even have a conversation right exactly right if i if we're talking if we're having a debate about sports and we have two different ideas of what the word sports mean right right we're, we're not going gonna to be, gonna be able to have a good conversation right and that was actually a debate i watched some of the kids had the other day
0: uh, okay now it was like a year and a half ago but still. You know, is chess a sport? I was like, oh, that's a good one. (laughs) You know? But you're right. And that's one thing where I do think, and that's why I, I definitely think language is important. Because words, the words we use in a language are, again, to pull in philosophy, are what are called signs and symbols. It's a way of encoding a thought that exists in my head, expressing it so that you can hear it Decode it, and hopefully understand that thought. Right. Which is where, yes, new words do come in, stuff like that. But at the same time,
1: you need a common vocabulary. Yeah, you, you see it a lot in the po- political spheres. Uh, you know, people on the right might call it, you know, abortion is the taking of innocent life. Mm-hmm people on the left might say no abortion is a reproductive right Mm -hmm. or a uh this is this is a a woman asserting her bodily autonomy Mm -hmm. stuff like that you know Mm -hmm. it's the same thing it's like we're not even speaking the same language really right we're speaking the same language in terms of english but but the meanings of words
0: right we're speaking past each other not to each other yeah because we're
1: not encoding and decoding in the same way and it makes me, all, all All this makes me think about the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. Right? Have, yeah. Everyone's speaking a different language. Yeah. Yeah. And that's
0: where I do think, like, again, like some people like Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, Matt Walsh, um, Candace Owens, nominally I just named every a bunch of people <laughs> in the Daily Wire. Um, but even others, you know, the importance of defining terms before defining you terms, move right? too far.
1: That's what I was looking for.
0: Is important, Right, and and it is important, because you need to be able to explain. Like, one of the ways I, I, I have to admit I've had decent success and challenging on the abortion issue is by going, okay, well, this is why... Well, I'll start usually by this. It's like, okay, the term person comes from the Roman or the Greek persona, meaning to have a mask or a face. And the way it's developed in law is... When you say person, it is an entity with legal standing and protection, rights, privileges, and obligations under the law. Okay, so when does the fetus or the baby or whatever become a person and why? And then I'll let them dig their hole. And so like, I often get the, well, when it's born Awesome. Okay. So then you agree with me that New York's law, which says that if I injure a pregnant woman in an assault in her um, third trimester and the the fetus dies, that I get convicted of murder. You, you agree with me that that's wrong right. and that I should just be booked for simple assault.
1: Right. And uh, sometimes, sometimes if you bring up that example, they'll say, but she wanted the baby. And then you say, okay, so something's worth is only dependent on if you want it or not.
0: Exactly, and, and I've used that. It's like, okay, oh, so the desirability of others is important. Okay, awesome. Well, I'm sure there's 13, 14 people that would love to have your organs and they would desire your organs because you could save their lives. Does your life still have value? And playing with that. Right. And because, at least for me, I, I stand with the Catholic Church on that one. Now I'm a priest, so that shouldn't be shocking. But that idea that the moment of conception is the only logical point where you can say before this there was no life, after it there is life. And once you have life, it gets rights and privileges.
1: Anything else becomes uh, tricky. You know, people say, well, it becomes a a human life at 21 weeks, let's Mm -hmm. say. Okay, so at 20 weeks and six days, six days, 23 hours and 59 minutes, it is not a life. But a minute after, it is. Well, and that's one thing that, again, another friend is, well, viability.
0: I'm like, oh, so then you believe that a person's rights and privileges are strictly based on social economic status. I'm like, well, I didn't say that. I'm like, But viability is directly based on prenatal care, availability of um, hospital care, treatment, etc. Because I was like, a child born at 26 weeks in the U.S. or in the U.K., is significantly better than a child born at 26 weeks in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh-huh. So, so what you're saying is, if you're using viability, that social economic status determines your value or your lifehood. That's a good point. I had to consider that. And then they always look at me. Often, I can lie, often that, that gets people to storm off. Because again, we've become a culture that dislikes the discomfort. You know, like, people might not like this podcast because some of the topics. Right. But it's in that discomfort that I think, and in that challenging of your ideas, like Holmes said, that we can discover what is the objective truth versus mine and your subjective
1: truth. Right. And I think that, you know, people, some people shy away from the idea of objective truth because... If you believe there is objective truth, now you have some kind of obligation or responsibility to to abide by it. And Correct. You know that if you don't, you're doing something wrong. Correct. And people, I think especially today, don't want to be told they're doing something wrong. Well, that's why... Certainly by someone, someone, you know, their age or whatever, and definitely not by an authority figure. Yep. Uh, and I think, it, I see it, you know, I... You know, I've uh, like most people, I've been in internet debates, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of like people people don't want to be the, the person saying no, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. I think they're I think it's it comes out of a need to be liked by other people. Correct, right? The person saying that is the moralizer. He's the narc. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the whatever. Um, but I think you know something something I I've, I've discovered and something I've taken comfort in is if when I get into those conversations. If the person doesn't agree with me, or or like you said, they storm off or Mm -hmm. they they call you names, which, by the way, is probably probably a sign that you're winning the debate. they Start calling names. When they go ad hominem, you know they can't attack the facts of the argument. They don't actually exactly. I take comfort in in saying, all I'm saying is the truth, and I I I'm I'm secure in that. Mm -hmm. I'm not doubting myself. So if that person doesn't want to agree with it, wish them well not my problem right and again truth to an extent
0: can change yes culture growing up all that stuff drastically affects how you view stuff and like again i I, you know i I taught in newark for a while and there most of the kids i interacted with their experience of firearms was that's what hurt their family member hurt their mother robs them killed their
1: buddy right so what what do you when you Turn that into a political conversation. Of course, they're going to think a certain way about that.
0: Right. right.
1: Whereas me, my
0: experience with firearms is, so I have literally put
1: food on my table. Bonding with your father, yep. putting food on the table, experiencing nature. Exactly. Right. Just having fun with the guys, like we did. Right. And mm-hmm. you wouldn't say to the to other people that they couldn't possibly understand where you're coming from because of X, Y, Z. Right. It's like no, you probably could if you just listened to me.
0: Exactly. Like, and I remember one kid, God love him. He he went to Florida on break, after we had had a like a gun control debate. He came back and he had this look of shame on his face. I was like,
1: He was, went to Florida. Yeah. After a gun control debate. Yeah. That's an interesting place to be. And I was like, What's <laughs> up? And He goes, You
0: understand now. He's like, you I mean you understand now. He goes, I, I get it. Like, you get what? I like, I get the argument. I don't need it, but I want it. Uh huh. Like, what happened? Because I went to my uncle's, and he has a properly registered Uzi. Like, oh, <laughs> like, yeah, they're fun. Like, yeah, yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> but that idea of experience does affect our view of reality. Yes, a hundred percent. I grew up in a very cat with a very Catholic father. That affects my view of reality. You know, others who grow up atheistic or you know like I grew up with a father who yeah occasionally has had a box in my ears but there's never been a doubt that he loves me and if I grew up like some some people I know where I had that doubt I don't know how it would rock my view of the world yeah but I'm sure it would yeah and that's one of the things too that's where I think conversation needs to be key And avoiding the echo chamber to come back to how we started this now an hour and six minutes ago. We need to avoid that echo chamber so that we can see those other views because I'm not going to understand your view if I don't understand you. You're not going to understand my view if I don't, if you don't understand me. So we have to have that dialogue, like proper dialogue of listening, processing, responding, listening, processing, responding back and forth to grow beyond not just the issue we're talking about, but. Why is your view what it is? Right. Why is yeah. my view what it is? Going, Why? D-
1: going deeper than just the point itself?
0: Correct. Right. And I think society would be a lot better if you did that. Yeah. As with the church, as would a bunch of stuff. Because like I get, I've seen, like the extraordinary form of mass people become very exclusionary. I've also seen more, we'll say, liberalish you know, modern-ish, I don't know what you want to call it, Vatican II-ish, yeah. you know, become the same. The, you know, and it's like, like, I, I won't say the group's name, but there's a group popular here in New Jersey where when you leave the group, they, they even if you stay in the Catholic Church, they, they will actually say to the other members, well, they've left the church. It's like, no, no they didn't. No, they didn't. They just, they left your Bible study, man. <laughs> uh, you are not the church. Yeah. Just like, I am not, the arbiter of truth god is but that's the thing neither are you then neither are you neither is anybody else god is the arbiter of truth and we got to figure out what it is in a respectful way but in figuring that out it's not always going to be comfortable
1: that might be an episode title, god is the arbiter of truth god is your, i like that god <laughs> is
0: the arbiter of truth um yeah cuz i think of that or avoid the echo chamber but
1: Ooh, that's a good one too.
0: Avoid the echo chamber,
1: but that might be it. Okay, that, that, I think that that as a theme has shown up more. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
0: But because I think that's that's key. Because yeah, I mean, are there hard situations? Are there rough situations? Like the whole like Everlast song, um, what it's like. Oh, I remember that song. You that know, was his
1: only hit, right? It was his only like major, major one. And Everlast there. is a great name. Yeah, like, right. Name. Right? You know, I I mean, I don't know how he got it because the athletic, they make the athletic equipment Everlast. Yes. I don't know how he got away with that. Because Everlast
0: is trademarked, not copyrighted. Ah. Trademark, you don't have an expiration date. It's not like 70 years after the author's death, but it's industry specific. So you got to prove that the change is affecting the brand. So like, if it's a completely different style of company,
1: so a, a rapper that comes along named Everlast isn't really isn't cutting into the business of Everlast equipment. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Now, if you have Everlast and then you get another rapper that comes in, and he says he's Everlast, and he's also it's rapping with two T's. Right. <laughs> then you can argue that's trademark infringement. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but that song, then you really might know what it's like. It's. It, Learning, learning more about the person before you make a judgment about them.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And now, yeah, like there's aspects of that song that are very pro-abortion and stuff like that. But the way it's presented, I do think, gets you thinking. And I think that's key. And I think that's great with anything. Even like um, one of the guys I like listening to, and we should wrap up here soon, but one of the guys I like listening to, Ty- Tyler Chittis, um, he did an album recently, actually in support of basically the not just the Black Lives Matter movement, but sort of the overzealous policing movement. And a lot of it was very indirect, but there, undertones. And then his final song on it, um, oh, what was it? What was the final song? Hopefully I can do that without, hopefully I can do this without, without getting, uh, Uh, what was the title? What was the title? I'm going to pull it up. am going to pull it up. Pull it up, JB. Oh, I am. <laughs> I am. I am. Um, it was
1: on his newest album, Discography. Is he like a guy that sings solely about
0: politics? No, never okay. does. Long Violent History. That was it. was the title of it. Long Violent History. And then he, he came out and he, he basically gave a press conference, well, a video thing, saying like, look, if you were doing this, 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 we'd have another Blue Ridge Mountain. And if you don't know what that, that was a massive anti-strike, well, actually strike miners striking in uh, Virginia, West Virginia, one of those one of those areas where it was all like World War One vets, so like people who knew how to fight and like the mine actually had to call on the federal government and the, and the governor with the national guard to, to diffuse it. Cause like, it was like, it was getting, it was getting ugly, uh-huh. like, like civil war ugly. But like, he's like, look, we, if we were experiencing all this, we, we would have done that. And, and his main theme that he said too, not only with the CD, but also with the song long violent history. And, um, and then like he pointed out in the, in the talk was to point out, it was like, look, you need to listen to other people. You need to, Put yourself in their shoes. It doesn't mean they're right, but you need to at least try to understand them. And I think that's what we need to do. Why yeah. we need to avoid the echo chamber.
1: My, reminds me of a, a quote. I, mean, I thought it might be Long Longfellow or, or Wadsworth or Wordsworth. And he said, "If we could look into the secret history of our enemies, we would find." enough suffering and sorrow to disarm all hostility exactly so that guy that guy that you think is your enemy or you perceive as your enemy has probably gone through as much if not more pain than you have yep right you're 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 the same in that way exactly yeah
0: well that's one thing that might be a good book to read and then talk about is a uh, tribe by sebastian younger oh yeah because he, he talks a lot about that. Like he, like he, okay, it's a story how a homeless guy gave him a sandwich because he was hitchhiking and the homeless guy just thought you needed food. And he's like, whoa. And the guy's like, look, I, I know what it's like. I still got some peanut butter and stuff back at the campsite. I'll be good. Here, take this. Yeah. And I do think that that's important having an idea to get that true empathy, not not sympathy, but empathy. Where you truly strive to understand somebody that doesn't mean you're going to agree with them you know some of my some of my good friends i don't agree with on many an issue
1: but you still care about them
0: exactly yeah and i think that's good i keep them solid in one way they keep me solid in another way we might argue back and forth but that doesn't mean that i'm not going to be at their kid's birthday party with a present
1: exactly and and i I mean, what a boring friendship that would be if you just agreed on everything all the time. Exactly. Who cares? <laughs> iron sharpens iron. Yeah. There we go. Steel sharpens, sharpens steel, iron sharpens iron, and avoid all active chambers.
0: Yep. <laughs> uh, and with that, we should probably sign off for this week. It's yes, a good one. Hopefully, we will get over this seventh and uh, have an eighth, a ninth, a tenth. And, yeah, it'd be nice to be a Rogan.
1: Yeah one day
0: you know I, i'd love for us to have something nice enough that we could you know put something together nice big soundproof not soundproof but like sound build up but that's going to take some time and that's going to take people sharing and liking these <laughs> and sharing them with their friends that's right but that said this has been father demetrius and brother will god love you guys peace peace